podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012 podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us on this Monday, a little bit later up today. Uh, let me just say this. Anytime uh, I have ever teased a guest or a, a, a podcast topic on the show in an intro for a future episode, uh, it tends to fall through. No faults, no no blame, no complaining. Um, I just seem to have not er- learned my lesson just yet. So uh, we were going to try and get a NFL draft preview pod this week. I don't know if that's going to happen now, which is... It's Monday. Do you know how hard it is to line up guests on a Monday for later in the week? It, it's it's tricky. Um, so I will try. We'll see what happens. More than likely, I will work to get a guest on to recap a draft, uh, specifically Big 12 players, or highlight some in particular. There'll be quite a few Oklahoma players that'll go. Maybe we'll focus on them, even though I know I don't have that many Sooner listeners. Um, so with that said, today's episode, I am very, very, very excited about it. I think you guys are really Really going to enjoy it. Russ Stang, uh, former Kansas State offensive lineman back in 1987 to 1988, joins the show today. He is fantastic. Well-spoken, funny, interesting, a lot of good stuff to say. Uh, talk about his time at Kansas State, um, his, being a father of a current player, Trevor Stang, who's on the Kansas State roster. Uh, what recruiting process is like, it's it's an interesting and, and some there's a dark side to this business. Let's just say that. Uh I can't even begin to say how much fun this was, how entertaining it was, how interesting it was. He is a great guest, a great interview. He's got a lot of great stories. Whether you're a Kansas State fan or not, I think you'll enjoy this. Um, We are going to have to get him back on the show. He and I talked about some stories after we had finished recording that I I have to have him come on and talk about. So, Rustang on the show today. Loved, love, love this one. I think you will too. Uh, So with that said, let's get to it. Very excited today. 
to have a K-State alum joining us on the show. It's, it's been a goal of mine to get some former players from around the Big 12 to, to come on and talk, especially when we don't have a lot to talk about sports specifically. Uh, very excited to have Russ Stang on the show today, Kansas State former offensive lineman here. Russ, welcome to the 1012. Hi, right, thanks for having me. So before we talk too much uh, specifics, uh, I, I need you to, to walk me through the story that we were talking about beforehand. Uh, how how do you help people understand? Because for those who don't know, Stang is spelled S-T-A-N-G-E, which, you know, as, as someone who is trying to figure out pronunciations, looking at it, just, just I always ask first. And you have a very nice way for people to remember how to pronounce your name properly. Yeah, sure. So it's actually, I came up with it. Years and years ago, I don't, can't remember, but it's been a couple decades. So I always tell people, what is Ford's most popular car? And they'll go, oh, the Mustang. I said, great. Well, the Mustang is Ford's most popular car. My name is Rustang, and I'm the size of a small horse. So it's easy to remember my name that way. So if you put it together, Rustang, Mustang, oh, and I'm the size of a small horse. It's 6'8", and about 300 pounds. I'm like, yeah. So that's, a, that's an easy way to remember my name. <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask about good stories from back in the day, but you already you, you, you talk about one here. Um, you know, obviously when you read uh, for different schools and you see they put pronunciations for difficult to pronounce names in there, which is always very helpful, yet sometimes still doesn't help. Uh, they, they still seem to get yours wrong. Is that correct? Yeah, they put a J in it. Um, it, was the, it was bizarre. So when I first got to K-State, you know, they asked everybody how to say your last name, and I said, okay, well, it's Stang, and I figured that was the end of it, because we had guys like James Ian Oakett. We had, you know, other difficult names to pronounce on the team, and I thought, okay, well, I'll let it go. Well, so in 87, my junior year, we're going along, we're going along, and I looked at a media guide one day, and they had the pronunciation guide, and they put a J in my last name for the pronunciation guide. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't even know how to pronounce that, and I had done a uh, – the next week, I saw Mitch Holtis, and I told Mitch Holtis, our play-by-play guy, I said, hey, Mitch, how are you saying my last name? He goes, oh, Stange. I'm like, Mitch, my last name is Stang. I go, I don't – he goes, oh, but, you know, the, and I said, there's no J in it. I go, it's S-T-A-N-G-E. And he goes, oh, okay, well, thanks, Russ. See you later. Well, then on the pregame, my parents were listening to the pregame. I don't remember who we were playing. It was later in the year. Like I said, it's like, you know, week eight or so. And I, Mitch gets on the announcement and says, okay, one change in the lineup today for K-State. Uh, Russ Stangs now is going by Russ Stang. So, uh, and I felt like, wait a minute, I already formerly known as Prince. I mean, am I a symbol now? I'm changing my name. And he's like, it's Russ Stang. And I'm like, dude, this been my name the whole time. I didn't change it. That's what it was. So it was kind of funny that I, the whole portion of my junior year, I was Russ Stangs with a J in my name. I had no idea how that happened. So... <laughs> So as you mentioned, junior year, uh, you uh, you played for Kansas State in, in 87 and 88, correct? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Uh, where were you before K-State? Uh, Fullerton College in Southern California, where I'm from. Okay. All right. Very nice. Uh, so. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I went to, I had some opportunities on a high school, um, and it's kind of another interesting story. They always told me I was a tight end and outside linebacker, and they're going to make me an offensive lineman, and I didn't want to play a line. And coaches from Tom Osborne to, you know, anybody that came over to the house always said, we're going to make you a guard. And I'm like, no, you're not going to make me a guard because I don't play guard. And when I got to Fullerton, uh, they moved me to guard right away. So I didn't go to a four-year because I didn't want to play guard. I wanted to stay a tight end or play defense. And I got 
to Fullerton, and they made me a guard. And then when I got to K-State, they kicked me out the left tackle. So um, Fullerton was just – it was a great place for me to go. I played for legendary coach Hal Sherbeck. So I felt fortunate to be out there before uh, Kansas State. So how did you end up – as we said, you were at you were at Kansas State at 87 and 88. How did you, how did you end up at Kansas State? How was that the school you ended up with? Um, so I set up uh, a visit – and I knew when I came down to K-State, a guy named Leo Brohart had been recruiting me, had California ties, and Mike Deal was the offensive line coach who had started uh, reaching out to us, uh, meeting me and my family, calling the house and such. You know, we didn't have cell phones back then, so it's the house phone. And um, I recommend, you know, I said, okay, I'll, I'll go to Case, I'll take a visit, and I met with Coach. Uh, Parrish at the time, met with Coach uh, Deal, trying to remember, and Parrish was the OC, Coach Brohard, and I knew about eight guys from my area in Southern California that were on squad, Sean Fleming, Tim Hansen, Lauren Whittle, uh, Paul Inigas and I came together, uh, we were at the same school, Mike Creams, uh, so there was a, a good number of guys on the squad already that I knew. So I had a comfort level and I played against Sean Fleming in high school. So we had already, we were already friends. So it, it made it nice for me, but what really sealed it for me was president. We Um He, we had gone to a reception at his house and he really just sat me down and just talked to me. And then that was my first interaction with really anybody in the university hierarchy. And our conversation was great. And I felt I could trust him and, I came down to K-State or Purdue, and I visited Purdue. I liked Purdue. West Lafayette was great. Um, ironically, one of my guys who I hung around with that weekend was Jeff George, if you remember him, the former uh, number one overall pick out of Illinois to the Colts. And uh, on my visit, you know, I was like, okay, this guy's amazing. I want to play with this guy. The guy's got a cannon for an arm, and they just had Jim Everett. And I thought, well, this guy's a great quarterback, and, and he tells me he's leaving. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm not coming here, so – uh, more guys, I knew more guys at K-State, President Weefalls, and the community seemed to accept me. And, and I mean, accept me because, you know, being a Southern California kid coming to the middle of Kansas was kind of an adjustment. So, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it was just, it just felt like a great place for me. And I was happy with the decision. So it was Weefalls, it was the guys I knew on the squad, it was the town. So, uh, and it seemed like a great place, and it was a great place to go to school. So that's, that's how I made the choice. So you were there at Kansas State during the last couple of years of the Stan Parrish era. Uh, you uh, you went a combined o twenty one and one while you were at Kansas State, correct? Yeah, we did not win a game for three years. Yeah, and and that yeah, it was they they had won through the previous year, and there was you know, the turnaround talk. Stan and originally they wanted me to come in in red shirt. And I was like, great, I need to redshirt. I wanted to get bigger because, like I said, I was a, a skill player prior to me coming up there. So I was, you know, 260 pounds maybe at times. Um, and I needed to get bigger. I, needed, I was strong, but I needed to get bigger physically. And I thought I was going to sit out and we shut up on campus. And I quickly learned after a couple of weeks, well, that wasn't going to be the case. I was expected to play and and said, okay, and off we went. And it was not – we didn't have a lot of depth. We had good players. We just didn't have good a lot of consistency across the roster, um, if that's what you're getting at. It was just – it was a struggle. Um, it, was, it was just a struggle. So I, I'm sorry if I uh, interrupt your question, but go ahead and keep going. 
No, 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 no. That's that's perfectly. You look. You are the guest here. Uh, you're gonna have far more interesting things to say than I do. So you feel free to just jump in whenever you want. I just like how. Man, I can't imagine like how. What is that like? What is having to deal with the fact that you just you can't win? I mean, you went winless at Kansas State, and I'm not. I don't. I don't want to like spend too much time on this, but I just like that. I don't know. Other than it just sucks. Like, what does that feel like? It's it's not a great feeling. Mentally, it can bother you, and mentally, it did bother me. But at a certain point, you know, we had there were guys on the squad that were ahead of me, like Dave Wallace, Tony Jordan. Matt Garber, um, you know, guys I knew that played right before me, Bob Besser, Dana Dimmo, Rocky Dvorak, you know, guys like that that, you know, I, I frankly just – I didn't want to be that guy that went 0-21 and won or wherever we were at that time. I just wanted to play hard and represent myself well and represent the school that I was at with, you know, Kansas State well. So my mentality going into games was they – needed to know who I was and I had to earn, I it sounds cliche, but I wanted to earn respect and I wanted them to feel like whoever we played against when I left and played against those guys, those squads that, you know, I was a worthy person uh, in terms of being a, an athlete and a football player and representing my university. So for me, it was more about, I wanted to make sure they knew who I was. I wanted them to make sure they knew after the game that I could play. And for me, it was, I wanted to play hard, play well, and feel like wherever, whoever we were playing against, I could start and contribute on those squads. And that was my mentality as the losses mounted. It, you know, just I kind of internalized and made me frustrated, made me angry at times. But also at times I said, okay, I've actually accomplished something. Um, we may have not have, we may have failed on the field, but me individually, I may have done something, but we still didn't win. But I still felt like I accomplished something. And I, I had a couple of conversations with, you know coach Snyder about that when he first got hired when he came in you know he had CB called and asked to see me and and I went up to the office you know day three or day four on the job for him and we must have talked for an hour and a half yeah so yeah so Bill Knight Snyder got hired the year after your your final year there he took over in 89 yeah Bill got hired in November of 88 and my last season was you know 88 so yeah he got hired the joke was and in fact, Coach and I talked about this when I was in Manhattan for the Iowa State game. Uh, we were at a dinner, and uh, Coach Snyder and I were talking, and uh, he would ask me how Trevor was because he had offered Trevor and had been recruiting Trevor since he was probably in eighth grade. And I said, you know, Coach, said, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day, you know, how I felt about it. He goes, what do you mean about what? I said, well, I, I failed to realize that I missed you by a year coming, and Trevor missed you by a year going. So Trevor, I missed Trevor, I missed Bill's tenure by a year, and my son missed his tenure by a year. So we kind of had that was an interesting little tie that someone brought up to me that I missed him by a year coming in, and my son missed him by a year on the way out. Yeah, so for those who don't know, your your son Trevor Stang uh, is currently an offensive lineman for Kansas State. He'll be heading into his redshirt senior season this year. That's actually how you and I kind of got hooked up was we had done our podcast about you know teams most affected um, by not having spring football. And you mentioned your son, who's going to be a redshirt freshman, um, for an offensive line that's re- completely replacing the offensive line. Um, I want to so let's it's a nice transition. Let's talk about your son. You know how. How have how has things gone for your son? How was his true freshman year? Uh, how did that go for you guys? Um, it went great. Um, as far as I, I feel, um, you know, like most dads, um, you he left high school prepared. 
So I felt like he was going to do fine when he got up there. And he learned, you know, that guys, it's not high school. And guys really want to be there. And, you know, there's not a lot of difference between the first guy that, you know, the guy that takes the first snap and the guy that takes the third snap. And you have to get ready. So there was an adjustment for him. And there's adjustment competing academically because, um, again, everybody wants to be there. So, um, you know, we had some – we had a good year. There were some things that, you know, he, we prepared him for that he still went through that he went, whoa, Dad, I can't believe this happened. And I said, well, great, you know, but what did you learn from it? And I would tell him things like every day the goal should be, in my mind, mentally and physically stronger, mentally and physically stronger, academically, mentally, and football mentally, physically. Can you deal with these things that are happening to you? You know, going through practice and going against grown men. I mean, Trevor joked that, one of the defensive linemen, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, you know, he's 24 years old. He was a redshirt senior. And Trevor's like, dude, that's a grown man. And I was like, okay, yeah, I understand that, um, Trevor. And he's like, dad, I'm 19, and that's a 24-year-old. I'm like, yeah, I got it, buddy. It's okay. So it was more of a, a curve for him. We try, My wife and I tried to prepare him for that because we had both gone through that experience where it was different for me. When I went to college, I was the first one in my family, so – Day one to the last day of my tenure in college was brand new for me, whereas my wife and I can tell Trevor, this is probably going to happen to you. This is going to happen to you. You'll probably go through this, and you'll experience this, and, you know, the good and the bad. So, for me, it was nice that we were able to help him on both sides, athletically and academically, because there were things he just wasn't prepared for that he's like, you know, has that middle moment of pause, and we're like, well, remember, this is what we thought, and we don't know the answers, but we thought, enough to where we could guide him through it to help him so he could do better as opposed to just telling him what to do. So as a, as a parent, uh, obviously coach Kleiman just wrapped up his first season. Um, you know, Snyder is the one who recruited your son, but he, he stuck around. Um, you know, just from a parent perspective and having a son in the program, what's, what's been your opinion of, of coach Kleiman so far? You know, it's really, I really enjoyed getting to know him and getting to know coach Riley and uh, coach Messingham and most of the staff. So, um, for us, it was a bit, um, it was a bit trying. Uh, and in terms of when, can I just tell you the whole story about the bill thing then? From when he yeah, please go today. Okay, so we were in coach's office. We were on our official visit, and we were in there for an hour, more than an hour. And you know, coach is telling Trevor, Coach Snyder is telling Trevor what they expect, what he needs to do, what he has to do and what, you know, is expected of him when he shows up on campus because Trevor was trying to accelerate his graduation and enroll in the spring. So we were meeting with Coach Dickey and Coach uh, Coleman and Coach Hansen, and so we had Coach Coach Klein, and we had talked to the entire offensive staff, and we knew what we had to do, and they had, you know, Coach Dawson with strength expectations and things when Trevor showed up in January to enroll in school. So we, we leave, and... We have a great feeling. We're happy about Kansas State with the choice that Trevor made back in the spring uh, of his senior year. And we said, okay, well, we'll see you in a couple weeks. And we left and we got on the shuttle and uh, we were chatting with some of the other parents of their kids that were on official visits that weekend as well. And we're like, okay, well, we're, we know what we're going to do and we're excited about that. And we got on a plane to come to Manhattan or back home from Manhattan. And we, I get off the airplane first, and I look, and I walk out, and everybody's staring up at monitors. And I'm thinking, oh, good Lord, some national tragedy has happened or something happened that everyone is stopped and staring at a TV. 
Well, I look up and I see the scroll on the bottom of ESPN, whatever game, basketball game was going on, they were interrupting and putting the scroll on the bottom with a red bull print that says legendary Hall of Fame coach Bill Snyder retiring from Kansas State University uh, press conference today at 3.30 Eastern time. And I'm like, we were just in the man's office an hour and a half ago. And at that moment, Trevor starts walking off the plane going, Dad, Dad, my phone is blowing up. I said, okay, hold on, just come here, just come here. And he's like, no, Dad, you don't understand. He goes, look, he goes, I had, he had 40-some-odd text messages and five or six voicemails, and he said, this area code is calling me right now. I go, well, who is it? He goes, I don't know. So he answers, and it's another school, and it's, you know, then it, it didn't stop. And I was like, okay, turn your phone off. Just turn your phone off. So I had him turn his phone off. My wife comes off the plane. My daughter comes off the plane. I was like, okay. I go, we're good. We need to figure out what we're going to do. I need to make a couple phone calls. I called Sean Snyder. I called Coach Dickey. Um, I started calling people. And, you know, and obviously the day unfolded as it unfolded. And so for about that day from eight days forward, we were kind of in limbo. And then they tab coach climbing as the head coach and a day and a half later he and Tyler Brack were in our our living room so reaffirming their commitment to Trevor and we got to know him a little bit and have a nice conversation with him and reaffirmed our, our choice in Kansas State University and then you know we've been up there a couple more times since then and I've had a couple of nice side conversations with him not regarding football or my son and just having a conversation with a guy that we're both 52, almost 53. So it's been it's been great, and I like his line coach. And now you know I don't have to deal with him every day, but um, I'm sure you know Mike Trevor's experience could be a little different, but mine's been fantastic uh, from support staff all the way through uh, position coaches that I've got a chance to spend some time with their last fall when I go to games. That's that is a wild story, like from sitting in his office, man. Yeah, and it. And it you know, and I've had a relationship with Coach, and I, and I do mean I've had a relationship with Coach. You know, I didn't play for him. When I finished up playing, as I said, he had called me into his office, and I said, Coach, you know, I'm trying to pursue an opportunity in the NFL. I've been told I have an opportunity to play. And he said, yeah, you're going to get an opportunity. And I said, I just want to work out and I want to do these things. He said, okay, well, Russ, I'll let you do that, but I need you to help Coach Palmer in the weight room. And I, and I did that. So I think there was a trust with Coach Snyder and I that started when he got hired, you know, and then from between that and 92 to 95 range, I was trying to play. So, you know, I wasn't really around the program, but the minute I stopped, you know, coach called I and mean, he called me and I, I didn't play for him. And he picked up the phone and called me and asked me what's next for me. And so I really appreciated the relationship I have with coach Snyder. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy, glad he's retired. He seems like he's doing well. Like I said, I got to see him the week of Thanksgiving, the Iowa State games, last time we had a visit together. And I'm just so thankful that for whatever reason, he decided that I was one of those guys that could be from my era, that 0-36 or whatever three-year period, we didn't win a game for me to be able to come back and be around the program and, and be fortunate enough to have my son go up there and play, which, you know, has been great for us. So it'll continue to be great. What's that like having your son go play for your alma mater? Wear your wear your number if I if I read correctly, right? Yeah, he is wearing my number. Um, that was I, I want to say that was part of the deal. Um, you know, and, and that was Trevor's request. Um, I had 
asked Trevor, you know, when he chose Kansas State, I said, is that where he wants to go? And I said, you know, if that's where you want to go, that's fine. You had 30 other offers, and they weren't just offers. They were committable offers, even up to signing day, and I won't just divulge who they were. We had two SEC schools, an ACC school, and a Pac-12 school call us that morning. Those don't sign with Kansas State. Sign with us instead. And I was like, you know, if Kansas State's where you want to be, that's great. And, and I wanted him to go there because that's where he wanted to go and not because I went there. But I'm really happy he's there because I, want him, I hope he has the same experience I do with the people in the community and better athletic success. Obviously, he's on a team that won eight games. I didn't win a game, so he's, a, you know, eight games better than I am already for my record at Kansas State. And <laughs> I'm excited to see him, you know, I can tell you as a father, seeing him run out that first game wearing that jersey with the, uh, my name, on, you know, our name on the back and him wearing the number I wore really, you know, it was something that hadn't happened in 30 years. And, then, and to go, wow, that, that's my son really made me just beyond happy. And my wife and I feel like, you know, we've done really, we've done something here. We've got a boy who's a great student and a great person and, and, a, and a good athlete and can represent a university. And he's part of, you know, not just part of the community, but he's doing something for the school. And I had that same sense of pride, even though we didn't win a lot. Um, you know, so it was, for us, it was a really great thing to see it every week and to be at the bowl game at the end of the year to see him in Memphis and celebrating with those kids and just, you know, it's in just sitting back and going, man, it's just the start of his journey of his journey at K-State, and I'm just happy he's, you know, the place he loves, and he's wearing my number, or, or his number now, as I told him. Um, so, you know, it, it's just, it's been, a, it's been a great, as a family, it's been great for us. That's awesome, man. That's, that is, that just sounds like one of the best feelings you could ever have. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a lot of great feelings as a parent, um, but that's a, that's a special one. Uh, yeah, yeah and I, I, I imagine, just wait till he plays, wait till he gets on the field. You know, I'll tell my wife I'm going to have allergies because I'll probably be crying like a baby. I mean, it's just, <laughs> so, you know, it is, you see it and it just, it moves you as a parent and it moves you as a, you know, I don't know. I just, to see him do that and to see him actually start, when he starts to contribute, I'm going to be so elated for him and it'll be a great day for our family for sure. But for him, it's going to be the culmination of a lot of hard work and a lot of things, you know, and I can't, I, I you know, I guess I understand now how my parents felt when I got to play because, as I mentioned, you know, they didn't go to college and I got to go, not only go to college, but I got to go to college for free and represent a great university like Kansas state. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to having that shared feeling so I can express that to my dad when Trevor starts to contribute for Kansas state. That's awesome. So I'm curious, obviously you went through recruiting process back in the eighties, um, both as, as a player and then you've gone through it as a parent now, how how much different, and obviously it's it's totally different, and, and a different perspective as a player and a parent. But like, how much? What are some of the things that you could you could state as someone who's gone through both? Like, how much different is the recruiting process now than it used to be? It's a lot. It's a lot different now um, because of, of media. Um, the Trevor would get contacted every which way you could imagine from coaches, you know, coming to school and pulling them out of class, which wasn't too different from when I got recruited, but, you know, coaches calling or texting him or sending messages or, you know, just people showing up that we didn't, you know, showing up to a school that we didn't expect. And that happened to me to a certain extent. But, you know, when 
he played at a big six, 6A Texas high school football uh, program in Compel, and he'd been a starter on varsity for him his freshman year. He played, I think he started 48 games in high school, and, you know, coaches would just show up. And, you know, in my school, you know, there was one or two of us, and you knew when they were there, but you never knew what was happening. We had, you know, a kid go to Stanford, a kid go to Texas A&M. There were eight kids that got scholarships just in his class alone. In my class, in mine, we didn't have that many, but for me, it was my parents could, could really control how, because people would call the house or people would show up at the house. We knew they were coming, whereas people would call Trevor at all hours, and, you know, I'm like, okay, folks, we need to really make an appointment to see you, or I'm like, hey, Trevor, just tell them you're not interested, or they didn't do their homework, and, you know, they didn't know anything about us. So, you know, that was kind of a problem where we'd get an offer, and Trevor, well, I say we, Trevor would get an offer, you know, from a school, say, you know, in a non, you know, in a non-power five conference. And the next day we'd hear from three of the schools and they're offering as well, because Trevor got an offer from one. It was like a domino. Whereas, you know, back in my day, when I got, remember I got offered by University of Washington and, you know, I got a bunch of Pac-12 interest after that or Pac-10 interest after that, but, you know, I didn't get four offers because of one offer and, you know, coaches that didn't know us or didn't know that, you know, it was, the difference to me was that they would show up and there was a, and my son put it really well. There was a, like a lot of fake love or interest. Does that make sense? Yeah. And they would portray, Oh, we want to do this, you know, and, and we had one school and I won't, I, I won't get into it, but one school told another kid that Trevor knew from the camp circuit. He did. Trevor got invited to Under Armour All-American, Nike Elite, Adidas, this, all these other camps and around the country that we would go to on these junior days and he would perform well. So he got to make friends with these other kids across the country in this one school told the kid that if he didn't accept the offer, that they were going to offer it to Trevor and Trevor already said he would commit. Well, we hadn't heard from that school. So the kid calls Trevor and tells Trevor, Hey bro, I'm sorry. I just wanted you to know I'm going to take the scholarship. So I, you know, I just want to let you know, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. Trevor goes, well, what are you talking about? He goes, oh, well, so-and-so just told me that if I didn't take the scholarship tonight, you were going to take it. Trevor goes, I haven't heard from them. As a matter of fact, blank them. You know, so if they call me, Trevor's like, I'm never talking to them again if they even call. So the irony of it is that sure enough, they call. Trevor tells them, no, I want anything to do with you. all. He's know what you said to my friend. Well, the kicker is the kid, because the school lied to him, the kid did commit, so he had the scholarship, and then flipped to their rivals on signing day. <laughs> so that kind of stuff still happens, and I'm sure, you know, there's probably a million stories like that around, but that was our experience. So, you know, Trevor's thing was there's just a lot of fake love in recruiting, and if they really don't like you, you know, you got you to gotta figure out what's best for you, and I think that was really great for Trevor to show really good maturity, because you know, we wanted him to look at everywhere. We wanted him to go elsewhere. And we wanted him to make sure that whatever it was was his choice and not just because I attended Kansas State. That's a, yeah. That, man, recruiting is a it's, – it's fun to follow, but it is a nasty business. Uh, oh, yeah. It, uh, and, and I can tell you, and non-coaching worst, non-coaching worst thing to happen in recruiting is the alumni or T-shirt alumni. Whoever it is, a fan of the school that you tell no to, and you just get bombarded. My wife got messages on Twitter. My daughter got messages on Twitter. I got messages. Trevor got messages from, I mean, like, folks, it's just a school. You'll, the school is not going to close if my kid does not go there. 
Oh, and it's, I don't, I don't think fans under, like fans are like, you should recruit better. or These kids should want to come here. And I'm like, I don't think you understand how they get the the blinders on and they get, as I like to say, they get inside the fans, get inside their little bubble and don't look at it from an outside perspective at all. It's like, do you know what these 18 year old kids are being, the kind of decisions that they have to make? Like, do you, I remember me as an 18 year old. I don't, I would not have had the maturity then to try and make a smart decision or, or to really even try and figure out that. Like, I just, it's it's ridiculous what what grown men and women and how they treat a bunch of eighteen year olds. I just it's ridiculous. It is. Yeah, I mean, and even it just yeah, and even boiled down to some of the teachers at the school asking them, where are you going to go, where are you going to go. And there was a mm-hmm. two of the kids, like I said, we had a, the starting safety at, at Stanford is Jonathan McGill, Trevor's teammate, who we've known since he was you know four, and then our kicker went to Texas A and M and you would be surprised at the number of people that just show up out of the woodwork because you didn't pick their school. And somehow now you're downgraded or denigrated because you didn't go to, you know, so-and-so state or so-and-so university. Like, folks, let it go. This is not the end of the world. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. Um, so I, there's, I was doing a little, I was doing a little digging uh, because, you know, I, I was not someone, I was not a Kansas state fan. I, 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 Wanted a little, a little bit more about you, and and I'm I'm curious your your how you feel. Uh, Climate introduced some new helmets this year uh, that had the cursive cats logo, which is back from your playing days. I'm a fan of throwback logos. I understand the fans who, oh, uh, we can't use a logo from back when you know we went, oh, in thirty six, oh, in thirty seven. But I'm a big fan of throwbacks. I think kids are a big fan of throwbacks. I think younger fan bases are a big fan of throwbacks. I think that Cats logo is, it's awesome. I'm curious from your perspective as someone who you wore them when he was in college, how, how'd you feel about those? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, you know, I love the old classic uniform that coach brought in Snyder when he got hired. Um, you know, the traditional Dallas Cowboy looking trim on the shirts and the helmet and the logo and the power cat. And I remember, you know, I remember, uh, one of the few times I was up in the office and I was helping with Coach Palmieri and I saw the early designs of the Power Cat and I was like, well, that looks like the Iowa logo. And that looks like this logo. And I'm like, oh, and but now it's become, you know, such a great symbol for our university and, and the apparel and the licensing agreements for, you know, for that the school gets back. So it helps the university. But I think in this day and age, I mean, every school in the Big 12 does alternate uniforms. Um, every, you know, around the country, most schools have alternate uniforms. And I think uh, we were so far behind in that, and I think you have opportunities for one revenue stream, two opportunity to create new fan bases because they might like the old script. And, and I don't believe in there's a curse or this or that with the cat script on the helmet. And you know, I thought it was great. I mean, you can't forget your past, but you also have to keep an eye on the future because now it's all about revenue, and we're learning that in the quarantine where. We don't have fans. We don't have merchandise being sold. We don't have this. We don't have that. And and I think us releasing alternate uniforms is a really good idea. And the best example I can give of that, um, when K-State broke out the Lavenders, I mean, everybody, half the country thought they were a joke, and the other half of the country loved them. And they're still the hottest-selling item, I think, of Kansas State that they produce today from Nike. I mean, those are great-looking uniforms. I mean, Lon Kruger wore that when he was a coach here, or, the, or a player here, not even – and then he was accused of coaching my era when I was at K State, but you know I'm 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 all for it. I think what you can do. I think there's some really great ones out there. I, I like Oklahoma's the wood looking ones. They the helmet they have. Uh, Oklahoma State has a number of varieties. Kansas has varieties. I think that uh, you know you should do that. I you know I'd like to see Texas come up with something, even though 
you know, they're a blue blood. And I think, you know, they'll have something sooner or later. I mean, every school has it. Every, I mean, even below the power fives have it. So I, I think it's a, an, it's a good trend. It needs to continue. And I, I think Kansas State needs to get behind it. So I'm all for whatever Coach Climb and Athletic Department come up. Uh, let's, let's, uh, I'll get you out of here on this. Do you got any of the, any other really good stories from your playing days, aside from mispronunciations? Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I have a number of them. Um, one that comes to mind. So I had mentioned Sean Fleming earlier. We had played Tulane and, uh, we were in the game and we were winning the game and we had an opportunity to close them out. And I don't remember the, the, the I don't remember the series uh, verbatim like I did or play by play like I did before, but I remember something had happened and I wasn't pleased about something. And Sean Fleming, who was playing next to me at left guard, going, "Dude, dude, 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 dude," and he's hitting me, and I'm just beside myself because I messed something up and I knew I messed it up and I I'm got like I got I got to calm down, I got to play the next play, we got to get a first down here, we got to do whatever we got to do, and he's still going, "Dude, dude," and I'm like, "Would you?" Stop. I go, what do you want? I'm like, and I'm thinking, oh my God, we need to medicate you. And he goes, we're on the Jumbotron. Look. And I look up and we're in the Louisiana Superdome. And sure enough, we're on the Jumbotron. And Sean Fleming goes, dude, we're on the Jumbotron. He goes, look, we look huge. And Sean does a double gunshot with his triceps and starts flexing on the Jumbotron. And I started laughing. And I'm like, okay, dude, that was perfect. I'm good now. And he's like, all right, man, good. Let's go ahead. Let's go have some fun. I'm like, okay, thanks, buddy. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I think of that, and I mean, I have, I have others. Like, do you know who Weird Robert is? No. The so Weird Robert is this kind of iconic guy that lives in Manhattan. The rumor is he's like the Sheldon Cooper of Kansas State. Like back in the seventies, he got admitted to school when he was fourteen. Rumors have him having everything from multiple engineering degrees, a master's, and possibly he was working on his PhD when he had some sort of mental break. And there are very there are varied and sundry reasons for why he had the mental break. So Robert is basically a homeless person that lives and been living in Manhattan forever. And we were driving to play Missouri on a bus because we couldn't fly because there was a bad sandstorm or a bad snowstorm. And Robert had a car with no windows, a Volvo that was broken down on the side of the road. And Coach Parrish pulled over, and we picked him up, and we drove him to Columbia with us on the team bus. And we're on the team bus, and Robert is just recanting stories and numbers. He's like, and I, it's like his memories I did it, and he's telling us all these facts. And it was interesting to hear him because everybody knew who he was, and he's weird Robert for a reason. His name is, and he has a, he has an Instagram and a Twitter and a follow. He has a following, and he's telling us all these bizarre facts. We, he, one of the guys lets him stay in his room with us, and they get him. You know, like, okay, we get, we get him Team Sweats because he's soaked to the bone. It's snowing out. He's wet. He's all cold and this and this. So we get him Team Sweats. He goes to the team dinner. He goes to the – he sits in meetings, like in the back of the meeting room, and he just sits there. And they clean him up. They wash his clothes. And the next day, we can't find him. We think this poor guy's gone. Well, some at some point in the middle of the night, he'd gotten up, and he left. And he got to his car – got his car running wherever it was in you know, the Kansas City area, got back almost three and a half hours back to Kansas City from Columbia, gets in his car, drives to Columbia, shows up in his team gear, and he's, as we're coming off the bus, he's waiting for us, and he's, and I'm walking off the bus going into the stadium, 
He's trying to come into the stadium. They're telling him, no, he can't come in. He can't come in. He goes, look, I have teams here. I'm a coach. I'm a coach. I'm a coach. Let me in. And he starts reciting facts. And Coach Parrish walks over. He goes, it's okay. Come on, Robert. Come with me. And then we didn't see him, like, for three days. Like, he gets in the stadium. We don't see him. And then he shows back up at practice in his car, and it's rang again. But now it has no windshield. Like, I, I don't know how this happened, but it's a legend of Weird Robert. So just look him up. Just trust me. <laughs> He's, a, he's an interesting thing all to himself, but I remember random things like that and probably some stories that probably aren't suitable for a podcast that maybe we can talk about if we ever meet up in person. <laughs> uh, so you have left me with some homework to do, some some weird Robert research, which I now look forward to. Uh, Russ, this has been fantastic and, and very, very enjoyable. I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out today to, to – recount your days at Kansas State uh, and, and offers just, I mean, this was just great. I really appreciate this. Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. It was a good, I'm, I enjoyed myself. Thank you so much. Uh, so you are on, on Twitter. So for anybody who does want to give you a follow and, and, and see you talk about Kansas State and other things as well, where can they do so? Uh, at Russ Stang on Twitter. I am also on Instagram at Russ Stang. So I'm on all those. And anybody on the uh, Go Powercat sign, on the Go Powercat or 24-7 Sports for K-State, I am uh, SolRay64. Again, Russ, thank you very much, man. I really appreciate your time. And, uh, and yeah, we're definitely going to have you back on. i got to hear some more of these stories. Oh, great. No, I'm happy to come back. I would love to. Podcast Network.